0: Every year this time, uh, we take what we call the Prime the Pump offering. Uh, The Christmas offering always goes to uh, feeding needy people. It just feels like uh, it's appropriate at Christmas time to give money to feed needy people. Uh, And this year, we fully funded our... uh, uh, $58,000 that we spend every year on feeding hungry people. Amen. The Prime the Pump offering uh, takes care of the place. Uh, this building is 17 years old, but it doesn't look 17 years old because we take care of it. Uh, We don't take care of it with the tithe money. That goes into doing ministry. Uh, We take care of it with what we call the prime, the pump offering. So this year, uh, if you look at the parking lot, it needs some serious work. Uh, I I would hate for you to fall in a chuck hole and would have to call 911 to have you rescued. Uh, So this year, the prime, the pump is gonna go primarily to fix the parking lot And uh, secondarily, uh, because this building is 17 years old, some of the electronic stuff is starting to wear out. Uh, We had a budget to replace that, but COVID hit, and we spent most of that money on uh, getting our online services going. So uh, this year, the uh, Prime the Pump is going to go primarily to fix the parking lot, and then secondarily to uh, 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 replace some worn-out electronic equipment we have. Uh, We call it Prime the Pump because uh, back in the day, uh, if you had a hand-pumped well that you hadn't used for a while, the uh, leather diaphragm in it would dry out. And you had to pour some water on that to soften it so it could pull the water. And if you got the, the, the leather diaphragm soft enough, you could pump as much water as you need. So we have this idea, if we invest in the right things, it's gonna pay off all the rest of the year. And so that's what, uh, that's what Prime the Pump is about. And uh, God has generously blessed some of you. Some of you have really been blessed by God and uh, would it be a beautiful thing uh, to show your appreciation to him by giving the prime the pump? Uh, some of you are uh, experiencing uh, the, the problems of recession. You, you're feeling uh, you're feeling inflation. And God says to us, we walk by faith, not by sight, right? Our hope is not in material things. Our hope is in the name of the Lord. So every penny counts, every single penny counts. And if you uh, would pray with me on this and, and we all would give what we can give, I'm sure the need will be covered. Thank you very much. Our dear Heavenly Father, you have expressed yourself to us in Jesus Christ. But because we are who we are, we find that we grow used to Christ. He becomes common instead of magnificent. We forget all his benefits. And I pray that your Holy Spirit would rouse our understanding again today. I pray that we could shake off the, uh, the uh, dullness and we could see Christ in his beauty and his majesty and we would be attracted to him. In Christ's name, amen. amen. In 1924, in Hammond, Indiana the police found a dead 14-year-old boy in a culvert. And the story instantly hit the news. What the police didn't tell is they only had one clue, and without that clue, they didn't even know where to begin to look. But not far from the boy, they found a pair of glasses. They took that single clue and they went to uh optometrist and asked them about these glasses. Well, it turned out only three pair of glasses like that had been sold in the entire year because they were very, very, very expensive. And they traced the glasses down to a boy, a 19-year-old boy, who had already graduated from the University of Chicago, named uh, Nathan Leopold. His father was very rich. And Nathan Leopold had a good friend named Richard Loeb. Loeb was 18 and had already graduated from the University of Michigan. These boys were very bright, and they grew up in very wealthy families. But they had studied Nietzsche in college, and they bought into Nietzsche's idea of uh, the Ubermensch. Uh, That's uh, equivalent to uh, Superman. Both of these boys believed that because they were so smart, they were better than the rest of humanity, and everybody else's rules didn't apply to them. And it turned out they killed, uh, they killed this 14-year-old boy as proof that they were smarter than everyone else and no one would be able to catch him. Well, they got caught and they were charged with a murder And they were on trial for their life. Everybody believed they would get the death penalty. But Richard Loeb's uh, uh, connections, his father uh, hired uh, Clarence Darrow, uh, one of the best lawyers in uh, America at the time, and Darrow took the case. His closing arguments lasted, to this case, lasted 12 hours. But in the end, they didn't get the death penalty. Both boys were sentenced to a lifetime in prison for the murder, plus 99 years for uh, the kidnapping. Richard Loeb was killed in prison by a fellow prisoner, Uh, Nathan Leopold uh, was in prison from 1925 to 1958, and uh, he was released on good behavior and lived another 13 years. The point I want to make is, the only chance either of those boys had was Clarence Darrow's ability to intercede for them. Without Darrow, they would have certainly gotten the death penalty. But because Clarence Darrow was also a a genius, and he made profound arguments, simple arguments like, uh, does an 18-year-old kid really understand the difference between a philosopher spouting off and reality. And he interceded and saved those boys' lives. In fact, he interceded so well that uh, uh, Leopold ended up being released in 1958 and got to live the last 13 years of his life in freedom. Uh, intercession is a powerful thing. Those boys could not have done for themselves what Clarence Darrow did for them. Those boys could not have done for themselves in court what Darrow did for him. Those boys could not have done for themselves in the public eye what Darrow did for them. It required somebody other than, than themselves who had an ability they didn't have to accomplish what they needed done. It turns out the Bible teaches us that Jesus Christ is our great intercessor. I am afraid that for too many Christians, Jesus becomes too common. We take him for granted. He's just kind of there. And I want to remind you that there's something wonderful, there's something awesome, there's something irreplaceable about Jesus Christ. In the book of Hebrews, chapter 7, the scriptures say, Consequently, Christ is able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God through him. Since he always lives to make intercession for them. The first thing I want us to see about Christ, our intercessor, is he always lives. The Lord Jesus Christ, who we worship, is eternal. He has always existed and he will always exist. Christ is eternal. That means he has no beginning and no end. Everything we know has an uh, an origin. Everything we know has a beginning, except Jesus Christ, and He has no beginning. Everything we know has a shelf life. Uh, I know I've heard about McDonald's that you set on the refrigerator and it looked the same as it did 20 years ago. I don't believe those stories. <laughs> Everything has a shelf life, except Christ. He is eternal. Do you understand that he can say I will never leave you and never forsake you because he is an eternal being and he's capable of living up to that promise? No one in this room can promise I will never leave you because we cannot guarantee tomorrow. But we have a we have an intercessor who says I will never leave you. No matter what turns life takes, no matter where you find yourself, no matter uh, what happens that is predictable or unpredictable, I will never leave you and I will always be there to intercede for you. Christ is eternal in the quality of his existence. Eternity is not just a, a relationship to time it's about a quality of life. You see, we're not eternal and time affects us. I'm pretty good at this time of day. You get me tonight at about uh, 930. I'm done. Uh, anything I have good, I've used it up uh, I'm just done uh I'm not eternal. Time has an effect on me. Uh, I'm, I, I, I'm, not the, uh, I, I'm not the boy I once was. Time has had an effect on me. Uh, I, I used to really have jet black hair, uh, and it disappeared somewhere, Jody. Uh, I am affected by time. But Jesus Christ is eternal, and time doesn't affect him. He's not worn out as he goes through the day. The years don't start adding up. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And because he's not affected by time, he's able to be my intercessor. Christ is eternal in his purpose, Can you think how many times you've changed your mind in your life? I want to do this. Uh, No, I don't want to do that. Wouldn't it be fun to do this? And and you do it and you go, ah, this is not what I thought. huh? Uh, We're very fickle. Uh, Time has a way of making us change our mind about things, making us question uh, our purpose and our values. Jesus Christ is, Ever lives with a single purpose. He has never changed his mind. Brothers and sisters, I don't care what bad things you did this week, it didn't change Christ's mind about you at all. I don't care what good things you did this week, it didn't change Christ's mind about you. His purpose is eternal. He doesn't waffle because we are inconsistent in life. The author of Hebrews says, Christ is competent because he's eternal. Time doesn't mess with him. Jesus Christ is not just just eternal, he is the advocate for those who are imperfect. This is where the text says, he ever lives to make intercession. Ah, he is the advocate for the imperfect have you been honest enough with yourself to say i'm i'm not perfect have you uh, you're in trouble if you can't say i'm not perfect I mean, i'm i'm serious you are in trouble uh, just look around this room Everybody in this room's made mistakes. You don't even have to look around. Just look at me. I've made, I've made my fair share of mistakes. Uh, I've made little ones that didn't matter too much, and I made big ones that uh, were terrible. All right? Listen Christ is not the advocate for the perfect, they don't need one. Can you understand this? the perfect person doesn't need an intercessor. The only people who need intercessors are people like us who have to admit, I have not gotten it right. When Paul says, we have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, I see my face in that picture, church. But that is why Jesus Christ as my intercessor is so beautiful to me. Now, we have to deal with this word intercession because we don't use it every day. It's not part of our common everyday vocabulary. The actual Greek word in the Greek New Testament, it actually means to meet and have an intimate conversation. Uh, this, This actually means... You meet someone, and then you have an intimate conversation with them. If I put that into the text, he ever lives to meet with the Father and have an intimate conversation. He ever lives to meet with my soul and have an intimate conversation. Uh, Do you want to know what Jesus does with his time every day? He meets with the Father and has an an intimate conversation about your soul. He meets with you and has an intimate conversation with you about your soul and growing into the person that God wants you to be. Christ's work did not end when he died on the cross. His work of redemption ended. But his work goes on day by day by day making us into the people that he wants us to be and he does it through intercession. Intercession uh, is, this, is this great idea. Uh, um, Thomas Goodwin, the English Puritan, uh, he says this. Intercession is the greatness of Christ connecting with the graciousness of God. The greatness of Christ has an intimate conversation with the graciousness of God and all the benefits to the human soul come out of that conversation. Every day, Christ appeals to us to receive his grace, blessings, and forgiveness. Can you hear this? I'm telling you, if you would make your soul sensitive, you would sense every day Christ showing up in some way and saying, I have grace for you today. I have a blessing for you today. I'm ready to forgive what you did wrong today. He ever lives to have an intimate conversation with our soul in which he shares grace, blessing, and forgiveness. Every day, Christ intercedes for us in our misery. Christ forgives my sin, but there's still a misery connected with sin. Can you identify with that? Um, uh, Can you remember last week when you did something you wish you wouldn't have done. There is a certain misery with it, right? It, it, there's a certain unavoidable misery. Intercession is Christ bringing grace to my soul when it's miserable because I have not done the right thing. Um, uh, I was feeling cranky and, and i and I said something I wish I wouldn't have said and about 15 minutes later I'm sitting there and uh it's like the Holy Spirit said what's up with you uh, and I had that i had that I had that miserable feeling that I had not lived up to what I said i would that I would be a better man than that. Uh, there is a certain misery that is inescapable connected to sin. And Christ intercedes to overcome that misery. His mercy is always greater than your misery. Church, I want to say that one more time. Christ's mercy is always greater than your misery. And he intercedes by being merciful to help us deal with the daily miseries of not being the good people we know we should be. Every day Christ entreats us for our souls to grow. Listen, Christ forgives sin, but he wants you to get better. Can you hear this? Christ forgives my sin, but he wants me to do less of it. He wants to help me grow and be a better man. Well, how does he do that? He intercedes with my soul. He shows up in my thinking and says, dude, you you, you got to work on this. I, I, I'm tired of you trying. I want you to train to get this right. I want you to make this purposeful. I want you to become more of the potential I've given you. And he intercedes with my soul to make that happen. Every day, Christ asks the Father to forgive you. Do you know that? When Christ died on the cross, he prayed, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. And he's been saying that prayer for 2,000 years since. Day after day, Christ shows up and he says to the Father, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. Church, you have an advocate advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. He pleads your cause even when you're at your worst. Every day, Christ intercedes with the Father and the Holy Spirit to bless us. Can you hear this? And finally, every day Christ intercedes for his eternal purpose. Do you know Christ has made a promise that he's going to stand every one of us up before the Father without spot and without blemish? Someday Christ is going to do his perfect work and you're going to stand before the Father without spot and without blemish. You're going to stand before the Father in the perfect righteousness of Jesus Christ. And every day, he tries to intercede with us to make us more and more of that person that he's going to stand up without spot and without blemish. Christ is able to save you completely. This is where it says he's able to save you to the uttermost uttermost is an old English word that we never use anymore. I mean, have you ever said uttermost in your whole life? Uh, uh, the, actual, uh, the, the actual word is a word that means uh, to uh, all completion. Uh, nothing is left incomplete. It means complete maturity. He's able to save to complete maturity because he always lives to make intercession for us. Spurgeon said this, to the uttermost, from all our doubts and fears and follies and failures, Jesus will bring us by his endless intercession. To the uttermost, From every consequence of the fall and personal sin and actual death, Jesus, by his intercession, will save us. To the uttermost, oh, think of it, to the resurrection of life, to clearance at the judgment seat, to the highest glories of heaven, to the boundless bliss throughout the ages, he will save us. Jesus Christ is alive right now. He is making intercession for you right now so he can save you completely. There will be nothing left untouched by the saving grace of Jesus Christ when he's done with you. The flaws and the faults you thought you would never escape, he's going to save you to the uttermost. There will be nothing left unsaved The grace of Jesus Christ will touch every aspect of who we are, and we will be completely beautiful in the eyes of God because Jesus Christ is our intercessor. And then there's an important phrase in this verse. It says, those who draw near to God through him. This verse doesn't say that Jesus Christ intercedes for everybody, church. This, church. this verse does not say everybody receives the intercessory work. It says the intercessory work is for those who draw near to God through Jesus Christ. Do you see? There has to be a drawing near. Christ intercedes to help us to draw near to God. Do you see Christ's death paid the penalty for every sin I've ever committed? Do you believe that? Or do you believe that Christ does his part and you have to do your part? Do you believe that Christ did everything God required to forgive every sin? Or do you still have it in your head, Jesus Christ kind of vaguely forgave some stuff, but I have to do this, this, and this, or it doesn't count? All right. He is able to completely save me. I don't have to add anything to it. Do you see? But when his spirit calls me, I have to draw near. I can't be ignoring God in my life. His intercession doesn't forgive my sin. It comforts me and inspires me to be better. My sins are forgiven by the cross. His intercession comforts me and calls me to be better. So, have you ever drawn near to God? Have you ever drawn near to God through Christ? You say, well, Doc, I don't know. What does that mean? All right. I'm going to ask it in a a different way. Drawing near to God through Christ means that we believe that Jesus Christ is the one who makes us acceptable with God. Has there ever been a time in your life where you just quietly said to God, I believe that Jesus Christ did everything you require to make me acceptable to you, and I'm trusting him. That's what it means to draw near to God. Has there ever been a time that you confessed with your mouth, I believe in the Lord Jesus Christ? See, this is what the Apostle Paul says. We believe in our heart, and we confess with our mouth. What does it mean to draw near to God? It means you have a holy moment where you are quiet in the presence of God and you say to God the Father, I believe in the complete work of Jesus Christ. I'm trusting Christ for everything. And then you confess with your mouth, you say, I believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul says this in another way. Whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. What does that mean? I believe we can have quiet moments where we simply honestly say to Christ, uh, I'm ready to receive whatever grace you're willing to give me. Church. Uh, Christ lives to make intercession for those who draw near to God. Christ lives to do everything that has to be done to make us who God wants us to be as we draw near to God. Now, I want to say, I want to talk to two different people. Some of you know what it means to have drawn near to God. You did it once in your life. There was a time in your life where you felt a whole lot closer to God than you do today. There was a time in your life when Jesus meant more to you than he means to you today. There was a time in your life when you really wanted the things that God wanted. But time and life and sin, they've caused you to drift. And now if you had to be brutally honest, you would say, I really don't believe I am as near to Christ as I ought to be. Church, whatever you feel in your heart right now, that's the intercessory work of Jesus Christ. If you feel something in your heart saying, I really want to draw near to Christ. I really want to draw near to the Father again. That is the intercessory work of Jesus Christ. He's calling you. He's saying, I have something better for you. I'm still at work in your life. You have not come to know the riches of my grace. Why not this morning? Draw near to God through Jesus Christ. Embrace his intercessory work. Let him do his perfecting work in you. Now, some of you, you've never drawn near to God. Not saying, you're not, religious. I'm not saying you don't live a, 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 a respectable life. I'm saying in your soul, you know there's never been a time when you had a serious yielding to God. There's never been that moment where you said to Christ, I am very sorry. I have not lived up to your expectation. And I'm asking you, to make me into the soul you want me to be why don't you draw near to god today why don't where, why, why don't right where you are right now why don't you say to god i'm ready i receive your grace i accept your uh, uh, your your saving goodness i want you to do your perfect work in my soul church Now, would you let me talk to all of us as a church? We all have friends who sin has made miserable. We all have family that sin has made miserable. I run into people all the time that have a a wounded heart because sin has made them miserable. Their own sin and the sin of others against them. Do you believe that Christ would be honored if you found opportunities to say to your family and friends who have been hurt by sin, there is an intercessor. There's someone who can help you. Church. Uh, When I was a boy, uh, we used to sing, uh, someone... Who cares someone who shares all your griefs like no other can do we have family and friends that if we would just take the initiative at the right time we could tell them there is grace in our Lord Jesus Christ and the sorrow you are feeling is not greater than his grace And he is alive right now to make intercession for you, church. I'm not asking you to quote 25 Bible verses to them. I'm not asking you to go to every one of your neighbor and give them a half-hour sermon on, uh, on religion. I'm asking all of us to become partners with Jesus Christ and at the appropriate moment when the opportunity is right We simply say, I know someone who can help you. Church, you have recommended medicine to people. You've recommended mechanics to people. You've recommended doctors to people. You've recommended to your family and friends any number of people, organizations, and services. Why not become partners with Christ And as life creates those opportunities, we recommend Jesus Christ to our family and friends. Church, their heart, their heart can't get there by themselves. They can't accomplish for themselves what they need to accomplish. But there isn't anything so broken in them that the great intercessory work of Jesus Christ wouldn't fix it they just need someone like you or someone like me to say to them in that strategic moment perhaps perhaps this is something that only christ can help you with would you be willing to give the great intercessor a moment in your life church and so it comes down to this I draw near to God through Jesus Christ because he is doing his intercessory work in me. I help others who are in need and that life has hurt. I help them draw near to God through the intercessory work of Jesus Christ. And Christ gets all the honor and the glory and he stops being so common and becomes more and more unique and significant in our lives. Our dear Heavenly Father, I draw near to you through Jesus Christ. There's something in my soul that hears this gentle call of Christ, and I hear myself saying, I want to be closer to you. I want you to do your perfect work in me. I really want to be the soul you created me to be. Father, I pray for myself and everyone in this room. I pray that Christ could be so beautiful to us that it would be easy for us to recommend him to our family and friends, especially when the sorrows of life are battering their souls. I pray that we would be aware and we would look for those opportunities. And with the gentleness of Jesus Christ himself, we could say, I'm going to recommend somebody who can help you in a moment just like this. He is our, uh, he is our uh, intercessor. He knows how to fix this. And then I pray that your Holy Spirit would be pleased to save your elect. In Christ's name, amen.